entry in the Diary of Doom. I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you might get uh, podcasts from. And if you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And this is the first episode of the 2022 uh, season. So happy new year from the past, uh, because we, I'm still recording this, uh, in December of 2021. Uh, although I think by Larry David's standards, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be too late, uh, to be saying that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, first guest of the, uh, new year is, uh, Isaac. He plays guitar, bass, and does some vocal thingies in the band Dachma. And I'm, Glad I looked that up because I totally would have not said it correctly. Um, and they're based out of Oakland, California, and they had an album out last year, but at the time of recording this, this year. <laughs> so yeah, uh, thanks for coming on and happy to have you on. Yeah, awesome. Well, happy new year from the past. Uh, thank you, Dylan, for having me as a, as a guest on your show. You know, leading up to the creation of the band, you know, what are your earliest experiences with music. Uh, do you come from a musical background or was it something that you found on your own later on in life or whatever? I, I, I have been playing in bands for quite some time and I've kind of evolved through different projects starting when I was a teenager. In the early 2000s when I was a teenager, I was playing in kind of crust punk bands and had a crust punk band in high school and those were that was the Bush years and it was a lot of political stuff. Mm -hmm. um, as I went Good old years, those were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I went through college, I started playing in, in metal bands. And actually my, my background is playing in a black metal band for, for a while um, in college and then after. And then Dogma was my, um, you know, major project that I took on after taking a, a separation from, from the black metal band I had been playing in for, mm -hmm. for a couple of years. And that Dogma really began in 2014, 2015-ish. I, I moved up from Santa Cruz, California to the Bay Area and reconnected with some older friends, met some new friends. And this is um, Dogma's, I guess, second full-length album, but fourth, fourth total release. No, fifth total release. So there's a couple albums behind us, and we've been playing since 2015, and I think our first... EP demo came out in 2016. Do you have like a specific album that you would pinpoint for sort of changing the direction of like how you would, you know, view heavy music versus like sort of like, you know, looking at it as more than just like, oh, this is just like heavy metal and kind of like get a little more thinky think about it. An, an album that's been influential. Yeah, yeah. Writing to me. Yeah, I mean, there there's several pivotal albums and experiences I had uh, in my own past that really influenced my art and kind of how I wanted to go about making art of my own. I, I think the earliest metal band I got into, because, you know, my background was like punk rock stuff, was, mm -hmm. was At The Gates and just hearing Slaughter of the Soul for the first time. Really, I, I was I was interested in the textures of the guitars kind of layering together and how they just created something really, really beautiful. Black metal 
kind of began for me seeing wolves in the throne room way back when it was like 2006 i saw oh them yeah forest at like 3 a.m in the santa cruz mountains oh, that's um, fucking dope yeah and everyone was tripping on mushroom meat and there was like a deer carcass hanging over them <laughs> talk and that that um immersiveness of that experience really was another transformative moment for me um also you know they were the first band i think i encountered that really did in metal long songs right Dakma obviously has long songs as well um other artists that you know oh another show that i saw that was just monumentally transformative to me was cult of luna several years ago mm-hmm. i saw them play um with sub rosa another band that's been a huge influence on on Dakma. that was that was 2015 that was around the start of Dakma. so i think those past experiences and you know that show in particular those were albums and artists that that really kind of helped me hone in on the initial sound i wanted to do and then you know that's continuously evolved yeah i i'm i've seen all well i haven't seen sub rosa because they were no longer i i believe they were no longer active by the time i knew who they were but mm-hmm. i had i've seen the other three bands I actually saw at the gates and uh wolves in the throne room on the same bill it was pretty rad it was not as cool as a forest though i'm that i you can color me very jealous of yeah that was that was a really cool one i actually did see at the gates way later it was in south korea with like 70 people were there and we all went drinking soju in seoul afterwards it was it was a pretty cool experience that's giving that was a band yeah given that was a band i really liked when i was younger i was i was teaching there in my 20s Wow, that's fucking crazy. That's so cool. Yeah, I've seen, and I saw Cult of Luna just uh, before everything shut down in 2020. Um, yeah, me too, actually. With, I yeah, think it was with, the Yeah, with Emma, Ruth Rundle, and um, yeah, yeah. Um, blanket on their name. Why am I blanket on their name? I think it was Intronaut. Were they on the same? Intronaut, they Intronaut, Intronaut. They were the one played here, yeah. You're right, that was the last show I got to end at a venue called Slims that no longer exists, a really historic one in San Francisco. Didn't, yeah. Didn't know going into it that was going to be the last show at this venue and last show for a while. Yeah, that's unfortunate and uh, shitty because um, it's not like we're, it's not exactly like we're leaving off a good, a, at a good point at the end of uh, 2021 going into next year. <laughs> not exactly. But... Did you have like a, a record or anything that you ever like listened to and just were like, oh man, that just like split my brain in two? Somewhere, somewhere along the highway, that one in particular by Cult of Luna, that split my brain in two. That was, that was something that really, really influenced me. And then there's so many more things I think I've, you know, got to give credit to that have influenced my art. So you you already kind of touched on it um, a bit about how like the band came together. You know, you had your background doing uh, crust punk and and black metal and and what have you. The description of it's kind of interesting. It kind of described it as like more of a collaborative project, although it sounds like for you it is like you it is um, you know your band. Like it's it's something that you sincerely obviously care about and everything like that and so but i'm assuming that everybody else that's involved in the project is also kind of an active musician it just kind of seems to be like one of those one of those bands where oh absolutely no and i wouldn't i wouldn't call this you know i keep saying i started this i no dogma is the most collaborative project i've Mm -hmm. ever really been a part of and 
I definitely think, and they would agree, you know, at the beginning, I was the one pulling things together, trying to get everyone together in our first years. Um, and I, I was the initial songwriter back then, but over the years, what's developed is, you know, a really collaborative songwriting process. I might still come to the band with skeletons of, mm -hmm. of songs, ideas, but it, it's a much more organic process than our first records, which was very much my ideas. And then, you know, I'm kind of giving them prompts about what I would like them to do over certain parts. Unmarked Boxes was not written as much that way. And neither was our last one for that matter. A lot of, you know, here's my initial skeleton idea, but then we just years at a time, you know, kind of flesh out the ideas together and, and really the other members bring quite a bit of themselves to the, to the writing process. Like what other kinds of bands are they involved in? Or um, I'm just curious if like, they are, if they, they, are, if they are involved in any other projects. The only the only two members who play in another project outside mm -hmm. of Docland is myself and Forrest, the other guitarist. We're um, two years ago we joined another pre-existing post-metal band named Mountaineer, mm -hmm. um, and we were part of Mountaineer's. We we co-wrote Mountaineer's last release and a forthcoming release. Oh, very cool. Um, so yeah, um, that's another project that that Forrest and I are are part of, and. That's been a really actually, you know, meeting those musicians really did have a, a huge influence on my writing as well. Um, Clayton Bartholomew, who is kind of the founder of Mountaineer, and he played in quite a few bands. Mm -hmm. he, he really helped me with um, learning editing skills and really, really helped me kind of get new, fresh ideas for, for Docmo material. So I got to give that experience a lot of credit as well. I can imagine it's kind of like, you know, you're sort of you're sort of like understanding how to like kind of steer your own ship without the other captain kind of overstepping his, you know, his boundaries and, and whatnot. It's sort of like a positive learning experience for you to see like how somebody else might do it or something like that. And it makes you grow as a musician person kind of thing like that. Is it sort of the relationship you would say you had? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like that experience has helped me and, and Forrest, you know, grow as a musician. I wouldn't say it's anything been the process of like neither in Doc nor in that other band Mountaineer mm -hmm. fighting for control of. Oh know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to it's suggest been really that. cool in both bands to see how collaborative the writing has really become. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll bring in less and less than I used to, which were you know full fledged songs, and now it's riff ideas and you know arrangement ideas. But it, we ended up writing a lot of this together. Obviously, like you fit, you know, well within that category of um, post metal, maybe not as like thick and, uh, you know, sinewy as some of them and not as like aggressive as a band like, you know, maybe like Isis or something like that certainly embodies that meditative state that we get from like a doom metal band or a drone metal band. So it does have those heavy elements, but also this very like massive soaring, you know, beauty that you would get yeah. from like shoegaze or post-rock mm -hmm. or something like that. And you already kind of talked about how it's changed since you started recording. And I would imagine you just, you feel more comfortable taking more, you know, risks with your sound. Like for example, on this album, you know, I noticed that it had um, a, a horn section of at least one thing on it, I think. There's no horn. It's not, there's, damn. There's no horn. <laughs> Interesting. And, you know, it's really funny. Everyone, 
this has been a joke within our band forever. Jessica plays an electric violin, a five-string electric oh. violin through a uh, orange Thunderverb 200. She's got a whole stack rigged up to it. And the number of times we've seen people think they got like a horn or a saxophone, we always give her crap for it. But it's all probably what you're perceiving as viol- as um, horn is, is violin. The new additions to us were we added a bit of piano mm-hmm. um, to this album and, and some percussive ideas. I think the biggest thing with the recording difference for this album versus the last Dogma albums, we recorded all of the last Dogma albums with um, Greg, Greg Wilkinson, who is a uh, sound engineer at Earhammer Studios in, in Oakland, California. After working with Mountaineer, um, I met a recording engineer, Ben Hirschfield of Newtone Studios. And what I really like about Ben, and, you know, I gave him producer credit on this record, which he fully deserves, is he's just so down to try everything and anything. I mean, we've added to these albums like Carjack as percussion. I mean, we've, we've added all sorts of weird bits and bobs, xylophone kids toys that he had laying around and he's always interested in doing that kind of thing to enhance the music. He always says more is more. And, you know, that's, that's something that is very evident on this album. Yeah. I mean, it's super layered. Um, Like using those weird experimental sounds, like some shit you might find laying around the studio, you know, because like you have like such a solid backbone that you can like put in something really bizarre and it might wind up sounding like really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, as you said, so like it, yeah, it's what I think is pretty cool about fucking post metal is that you can be like pretty like recognizable with this like really weird tinge to it, or you can just be like really fucking out there. I I think we are a band that enjoys experimenting with our own sound with mm-hmm. instrumentation, and you know I I've been using this label post metal. It's just become comfortable because that's what we keep showing up in. But I don't think we're a band that's ever really concerned ourselves with what genre do we fit into? It's more like these are the artistic ideas we had and we put forth. Yeah. I mean, is that something that like, you know, maybe when you were in like a, in your crust, crust punk phase or black metal phase, you know, it was kind of like, you know, you had those were like the labels that was like the kind of music that you, you know, performed in. And like, is that something that you've like kind of not worried about, labels and like what you kind of do and whatnot because you know it's kind of restricting at the end of the day In- increasingly i don't um i've had interviewers ask me recently you know oh did you move up to oakland with the intention of starting a post-metal band and how did you decide that this was going to be your sound and i've, I've kind of looked at that question and being like i didn't decide on anything it just kind of naturally yeah. And, you know, this is what I was listening to. And these are the sounds that influenced me. And, you know, you mentioned post-rock um, on top of all the punk rock stuff and the, the heavy metal stuff when I was younger. I mean, just listening endlessly, starting at like 14 to Godspeed You Black Emperor mm-hmm. has obviously influenced the way I view composition and writing. And, you know, this is just kind of what occurred. I Much more so than, you know, past projects when I was much younger, where it's like, okay, we're going to be a punk band. Okay, we're going to be a black metal band. This was, we're going to create some art and it's going to fit where it's going to fit and people are going to call it whatever they're going to call it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like why I always giggle about when you you know there's bands that pop up as like you know doom metal or like you know like old man gloom, and it's like that's not a fucking doom metal band. Like I don't yeah. even know what they are. They're you know, it, and it doesn't really matter either. I'll, I'll admit to feeling a little eerie. Even my black metal band was outside of you know whatever dark throny kinds of traditional mm -hmm. black metal things. And I remember I was once at a party and a guy who I didn't know at all came up to me. He's like. I checked out your band, man. It, it's really great. It's it's got this like post gloom second generation atmospheric ambient black metal thing going on, and I was looking at him like, okay, <laughs> like that's a lot of words that I never considered for myself. But you do you? How am I going to say this? And there's an abbreviation. Like... Yeah, I'm like, wait, yeah, what's the anagram for that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm like that. It's like the. It's just like part of metal where it's like it's a joke, but also like so serious about it you yeah. know i'm like i don't know unless you are explicitly being like i'm doing this and i can't really argue with you yeah i think it's better to have that sort of like that looseness to it because yeah. it also doesn't put you in a corner you know you can kind of afford to take a chance and do something the music also has a very like cinematic feel to it <laughs> um kind of you know like reminds me like i i was like kind of thinking like man if they made like one of those insanely well shot modern documentaries like planet earth but it was about like 2020 to 2022 maybe dachma can be the composer for it um do you have do you take any cinematic influences uh thank you for that compliment i mean that's that's definitely increasing the direction and you know we we have a little bit of unreleased material we're kind of sorting out and i think leaning even harder in that direction you just said where mm. it's kind of like film soundtrack is a little bit coming to mind yeah, I, I think maybe part of the reason it, it feels that way is, you know, we really tried to, they're not separate tracks on this album. It's one continuous kind of yeah. story, um, loose story. And so I feel since that's kind of my style of writing of the, you know, to tell a story with a song from start to finish, or to tell a story really through a whole album from start to finish, rather than have these disparate songs that are just kind of assembled and thrown together on a record i definitely i definitely would love to be included in something like that in the future if anyone if anyone hits us up and it's a project that we feel it could be a cool match with we would we would feel pretty excited to go in that direction trent Reznor, if you need to take like a breather from all your crazy scoring work you should pass it along yeah, to them yeah <laughs> well, that, that would be a dream for i think all of us and we have some tracks we were thinking we were like this would be really cool if we could get someone interested somewhere we'll see i appreciate particularly the compliment that it's fitting for you know 2020 2021 <laughs> I, I think the timing of the release is i don't know it's it's music that fits with the times even if we wrote it earlier than that yeah i mean it's not like the most pressing <laughs> music i've ever heard of and it's it's based in part on some poetry it, you know, I could you kind of go into more a little more detail of that? Um, because I would probably just do a bad job uh, explaining like yeah, what it I was. Will. Um, so actually, in my my personal life, I, I have a background in philosophy, and I'm a high school philosophy teacher of all things. I teach them music as well. All our earlier works, the head which becomes the skull, ruins upon ruins. Uh, it's a lot of philosophy stuff going on in those records, and. This this album, Unmarked Boxes, is really different in that there's not really this allusion to the history of 
European continental philosophy going on in it. I came up with the idea to do this album, Unmarked Boxes, in 2016. It was doing a trip uh, as part of a family thing. And then I went off from where I was visiting with my family for a couple days. And I spent a couple days in the city of Istanbul by myself, just kind of wandering around. Um, that's where the album cover comes from. Mm-hmm. I shot that through a window ledge in the Hagia Sophia of the Blue Mosque. And I was I was walking around the city and kind of going through some shit. Um, really, I mean, I was on the one hand, I was in this city that was just magically beautiful. I, I've traveled a lot, but I'm not really a city person. Mm-hmm. And Istanbul was really an exception to that. It was just so magical feeling. And yet I was really in a dark place in my own life. I was really struggling back home and things weren't going well in my own life. And um, I came across that poem, Unmarked Boxes. And, you know, it was kind of percolating in my head. Something that happened, and I've I've told this story and it influenced the first track on the album, The Clouds Parted. On my second day in Istanbul, which is actually my 26th birthday, I, I pretty narrowly missed a suicide bombing that I witnessed outside the Blue Mosque. And it was it was wow. this attack. And um, so after fleeing for safety and, you know, basically trying to evade all the tourist parts of the town for as best as I could to get back to my hotel room and bunker down, um, I ended up writing the lyrics to The Clouds Parted in in that hotel room hours, basically, after that attack. And, you know, that was it was interesting to revisit those feelings when I did the recording because that was 2016 and we recorded in 2020. Um, but I, I did really put myself back in that place. That's, you know, a little bit difficult to talk about. And it was my idea to scream those words. And I hadn't done any screaming since I was a teenager in my punk band. And so, you know, in the, in the last lyrics of the clouds parted, I'm doing um, harsh vocals. I mean, it, it's something, other musicians do all the time, but it was kind of new for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that's the connection to this poem. Um, I ended up writing the rest of the album kind of on the journey, pulling myself out of the dark hole that I was in and, you know, bringing these ideas to Dachman and the riffs, the, mu- the, the musicality of it just kind of unfolded as a, as a joint effort together. Something that um, just in, in terms of the writing process, we were included on a blues funeral post wax series a year ago with a, a release yes. ruins upon ruins. Um, a lot of material on unmarked boxes is actually older than the album we released in 2009. It's pretty old material for us. Mm-hmm. We've spent about five years working four or five years working on it. Um, we really just knew this stuff was something kind of special and we really wanted to get our musicianship to the level it really needed to be before attempting to record our second full length. So we actually ended up writing this stuff on, on ruins upon ruins after kind of fleshing out the initial ideas for this album. And then, you know, we kind of just developed it over years together, but that's the origin of the, the, the poem and, you know, that experience that kind of created at least the first track. Wow. I mean, that is just, that is some heavy shit rare, you know, yeah. and um, it's, it's interesting how, while that happened, you know, some, some years ago, like now 
that the album is like, you know, kind of coming out at this time. And it's like, you know, it's sort of, it's like this weird way of like revisiting pain, but I'm sure for you, it's kind of also like a cathartic thing, you know, cause you're, it's, it's your way of sort of processing like what happened, you know, like yeah. you've gotten over the initial shock of it, but like, I don't know. I doubt that. I doubt you're, you're not going to ever forget that anytime soon. No, no. And it, it has been interesting to kind of revisit this material and see how the context of the world today really connects with, with some of the material that I was writing before. When I was kind of coming up with ideas for, you know, the shoot for our Heareth music video, uh, which was the second or second major track on the album, um, something that was really affecting me that I kept thinking about was I, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. And among all the various apocalyptic disasters of the last year, there were just wildfires that just took out yeah. huge sections of California, including down there. And I was kind of walking through one of my previous favorite hiking trails and just seeing kind of the destruction. And that the theme of, of that song, Heareth, is about longing for a, a time and a place you can't return to anymore. And so, you know, I was really connecting with that. And that's kind of how the themes of the, the video kind of played out. That's funny too, because it's not like those themes are lost on other people, but I feel like they're often lost. They're often misguided or they're, they're thinking about a time that was simpler and more beneficial for just them and not like other mm -hmm. people. Whereas, you know, me, you know, yourself or myself would look at, you know, that and say like, man, I wish I could go back down this trail and enjoy these amazing trees and this wonderful forest. And now, it's going to take decades for it to recover from that, probably, if not more. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have written something that I do feel like other people, you know, if they find it, they might connect with it. Um, given, I think a lot of people have gone through a lot of these feelings and these experiences, especially in, in the last two years. Especially when it's hard to not, you know, actually go out and like see it, you know, for me, it's, you know, you can't just like, there might be a, a problem in California if it was a regular time and, you know, be like, oh, go to California. Just don't go here. It's because it's on fire. It's like, no, it's, it's on fire and uh, we can't do anything about it because uh, people can't go anywhere, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's fucking madness. Well, as you yeah. mentioned, though, it's not meant, the whole album arc is not meant to be the most depressing thing. Right. Of course. Kinda. Yeah kind of the story of just the opposite it's you know starting in its darkest place and trying mm -hmm. to trying to work through it to process it and then kind of break through it yeah yeah i mean i think spoke to somebody else recently and they said that you know you kind of have to to get through you know this uh you do have to like deal with a little bit of pain but at the end of the day it probably will be better at the end i mean right now it's like we're in the we're, we're definitely still in the pain phase. So hopefully we can yeah. get out of that soon. I'm hope I'm cautiously hopeful. That's yeah, I would, I would, agree. And at least that's the arc I wanted to arrive at in the, the end of the <laughs> album. And, you know, we try to end on something triumphant resolving, maybe you know, a, a catharsis. I'm talking about blues uh, funeral and mm -hmm. uh, their, their post wax series, which is like a really like, it's a pretty ambitious project but it's pretty yeah. fucking cool like it's this vinyl subscription mm -hmm. and it's all exclusive releases like how did you get involved with that we first encountered jad when we were we had already self-released our first album and we were just trying to get it up on spotify 
And at the time, I think he was involved in Cats on Amps. And they mm-hmm. had some like distro promotion service where, you know, on top of putting up on Spotify for, I don't know, hundred bucks, they'll also put you on a rotating playlist with some of their artists. And, you know, we, we, we sent it in. We were like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And I think Jed was working pretty closely and still, I don't know to what extent he's still working with them, but Magnetic Eye Records was, was yeah. part of that as well. He took an interest in it and he he really sought us out afterwards. And, you know, we kind of developed a friendship that, you know, correspondence that turned into a proposition of his initial idea of this starting this label, Blues Funeral, with that post-wax idea that had come to him that was, he really loved really cool vinyl and had this vision. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really drawn to people that have a, a vision for something bigger and more experimental than, yeah. you know, the normal. And his whole thing was, you know, we'll take unknown nobody artists like you and put them up against, uh, you know, Elder and Spotlights and all that. I got my Spotlight shirt. You know, we'll, we'll uh, hope that their success will highlight some artists mm-hmm. that I think are cool, too. Um, and we're really grateful for him for, for including us in that. It was really, it was a fun project. I'm proud of that release too. Um, and I was so stoked on it. I I met my fiance, sending her a dumb message on OkCupid about like, oh, you like Elder? I like Elder too. And then six months later, I'm releasing alongside Elder with my band. And, you know, it, that was really cool. Yeah, so we were involved in that. And then we just kind of kept in touch afterwards and we sent him unmarked boxes wondering if he was interested in supporting us. And, you know, he's like, you guys can't write normal length songs. What's wrong with it? Like your songs are always 13 minutes and this is going to be have to, this is going to have to be printed on a vinyl that's three sides. And we're like, I know it's a big ask, but he, he heard the material. He liked it enough. And he had this idea that another grand idea that he was going to join up with, um, a label in Sweden, Majestic Mountain Records, mm-hmm. and do this co-release, and he he came through for us, and we're really grateful. Um, the, I feel they've done a tremendous job in in promoting the record, and obviously getting to people like Claire, who are getting to people like you. So we're we're really we're really grateful that we we've, we've encountered him and gotten to work with him. Yeah, I mean they uh, they have built up quite a uh, roster, you know, over the years. Yeah. I've spoken to quite a number of these bands, and uh, they're very cool. Local band just, just spoke with them uh, towards the end of the year last year. Uh, Somnuri, they're mm-hmm. they're great. Yeah, it's it's really cool. He's uh, got good taste, and I'm I'm happy to be included in in that. That's uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and like all this comes from just like a really like general appreciation for a wide array of music because it's you know not like you sound like elder but it kind of you cohabitate that kind of same space where mm-hmm. you know people are comfortable listening to both of those kinds of of music and i'm and i don't think you should ever like want to be elder you know because then you wouldn't be you yeah yeah i mean we're i think the idea of releasing it in the late fall months i mean on, on top of you know vinyl production issues which everyone's aware of at this point um i i think a lot of it was like okay you're not my normal happy summertime fun metal you're not very fun to listen to at all but 
you write some interesting art and I think people will connect with it in, you know, the dark, depressing months, maybe. <laughs> I certainly did, you know, when I was listening to it today. I mean, it's like, it's, it's stuff you just get like, it, it's great to, you get lost in it. And it's like, not, not like a, a because it's a thing in the background. I mean, it is like, you really do just get lost in the layers of it. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, that 13 minute long song just kind of flew by in a second, you know, sort of like gone before you realize it. And you're like, shit, I got to like check it out again because there's clearly, you know, like you said, there's a lot there. It was, it was cool to definitely experiment with adding as much as we could during the recording process and not holding back at all. How does that take you into the future? Um, are you working on anything now or are you sort of, um, in, you know, sort of just like resting after you know, this album has come out, you know, do you have uh, ideas for the future? Yeah. Um, one, one thing that we just kind of have to accept is our reality is Dokma's capacity to play live is probably pretty limited. Um, we would really be interested in doing possible festival appearances and, you know, one-off kinds of shows, but our drummer is in medical school at UCSF mm -hmm. and that's just it's not going to be a thing that he can really commit to while he's got this other horrible ambition in life to become a doctor that helps people, <laughs> you know, fuck him. I wish he would just quit wanting to be a doctor and <laughs> for me the whole time. You know, I, and, and, and I don't feel like we could really do project without him. Mm -hmm. um, we are still writing together. And as I mentioned, we already had some more recorded material that we would like to put out into the world. It just, it wasn't part of this release because it was a different story. Right. About something different. I mentioned it's kind of more of a cinematic thing. Um, so we're, we're playing with each other still. And, you know, I'm, I've still got a future in a Mountaineer and we're, we're releasing an album as well in February on Life Force Records. So, you know, a future of Dogma, we all like each other plenty still. We want to keep making art together and, you know, we're, we're best friends that love each other and, and want to keep doing the artistic thing. So I think there's definitely a future there, but I can't say, you know, what exactly the next steps are going to be. And it's definitely not going to be on anyone else's timeline. It's going to be on our own. Which right on. Lower than most bands. <laughs> the chagrin of labels that would love, you know, oh, yeah. you guys score and look, no. And that's just the reality of it. But, you know, that's just, uh, you know, that's just the nature of the band. And, you know, you got to kind of play by, you got to play by the Beast's rules sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we're a band that doesn't make compromises here. For us, it's about creating art mm -hmm. that we are proud of. And the rest is kind of whatever. I don't think any of us are trying to be rock stars, nor does the world of rock stars kind of appeal to us. Nor is mm -hmm. that a, even a thing these days, so... You know, we're, we're going to keep doing what we're going to do and people either like it or not. And I'm really happy a lot of people have gotten to hear this one more than their, more than our last stuff. What have you been listening to lately? I mean, was there anything from uh, this uh, year, 2021, that you thought uh, was like absolutely stellar or like was yeah. there something that maybe people missed? I don't think I have anything cool and esoteric to tell people that they might have not found on their own because the one that comes to mind is you know we were talking about the last show we saw before covid started holy hell that emma ruth rundle album yeah what a what a flex i mean i just Whew. 
the opposite. I mean, I, I think that's why it appeals to me is it's the opposite of our music. It's we have all the reverb and all the layers and that's just as bare bones as it comes and it's just as real as it comes. So that one is probably my top pick of the year for that reason. I'm also a big Lantlos fan. So mm-hmm. Lantlos releasing an album and I've been listening to a lot more of the shoegazy stuff in the, my last years as I pulled myself out of the super depressive parts of my life. Yeah. I mean, Lantlos, Emma Ruth Rundle, um, those are the ones that, came up on my Spotify you spent too much time listening to this this year yeah year end whatever summary they have yeah I mean I loved that Emma Ruth Rundle album too it was amazing like and like honestly like this kind of like the same level of heavy you know what I mean but just for like different reasons you know it's kind of like you're still getting that same sort of like rush um you know of that uh, just like the the chills kind of come up off of uh, it gives the same kind of vibe so yeah i i vibe really hard with that album you know i mean i don't know not like because i went through any similar experiences her but just like i don't know she has a way of really like making you understand and like feel and resonate whatever she's gone through yeah absolutely let me give a shout out to one more actually this one's important to me. yeah go for it um alludium uh is a new band that or not a newer band they're a band probably playing as long as us, but they signed to Prophecy Records last year and they put out um, their sophomore album as well, just like us. The songwriter from that band is Chantelle Ambinson. And I think I said her last name wrong, but um, she's actually a high school friend of mine that we had lost touch with and we reconnected because we both kind of had similarly timed releases and kind of found each other again through doing these releases this year. Her album's incredible. Her vocals are incredible. She, I mean, that really is truly some really amazing art. I actually well, showed it. To what is the name of the band? Alludium. I L L U D I U M. Check that out. I'm forgetting the name of her last album. I know the song is the first song, and that's Aster. I'm forgetting if that's the name of the album or not. Uh, was it Septum? Was their first album? Septum was their first. What's the one that just came out October 2020? Uh, Ash of the Womb. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. That that's a really incredible album worth listening to. I'll have to check this out. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay, I, I, there, I did have one that maybe other people didn't find. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm a I'm always willing to check out um some of those like smaller. I mean, there's there's so there's so many bands out there, and you mm-hmm. know, I and obviously not all of it is for me, but I and I try to keep you know an open mind about things, you know, whether I like it or not people are saying it's good it's probably like worth checking mm-hmm. out but i'll check it out regardless all right i would like say you should rad. check that one out that's definitely worth it cool well uh i don't really have too many other questions so if you want to tell people where they can uh find you out there and where they can get your music and all that yeah um i am the worst person in the band to rep our social media but we have a instagram facebook thing you can follow us on and We'll update periodically when we have new new works in progress. All our arts on Spotify, all those streaming services. And then I think we are close to or just sold out of the limited edition vinyl. But I think there's still some of the vinyl, the standard edition vinyl available for sale through Bandcamp, both in the American store and the European stores. 
Um, so grab those while they last because I'm really happy and surprised to see them flying away so quickly. Awesome. Yeah, definitely go check those out. Uh, well, awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time out on uh, on your day to talk to us and kick things off for 2022 and looking forward to seeing more of Dakma down the road. Cool. Thanks so much, Dylan. I appreciate you having me and letting me share about our art. No problem. Anytime. And that'll do it for this chapter of the diary.